0: Lots of things are better together, hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really wanna take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: This is the GM Shuffle. All these morons who think Tua is better than Herbert. I'd like to offer them a free, free eye exam at Pearl Vision Center. Because it's not even fucking close, okay? Like, it's almost bizarre. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Presented by DraftKings and Sin. Here is Femi Abebefei.
0: Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Veast, and I'm your host, Femia Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, on the ones and twos with us, as always. And Michael, uh, what a game we saw oh. last night. I know you're ready to talk about this one, buddy. Oh, Chargers yeah, beat the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. 23-17. La- you know-
1: I wanted to write, like, a little song for you about Tua, land of hope and dreams. You know, this train grabs Tua's tickets. This train, he's going to be the MVP. You ever hear Springsteen sing? It's one of the greatest songs of all time. This train carries Tua tickets. I mean, like, seriously, it all fizzled. I mean, I'd like to, you know, I'm not Don Draper, okay? Obviously, Mm -hmm. I don't look like Don Draper. I'm not a marketing guy. I don't have a background in advertising. But I do have a suggestion. I've had a couple, right? Yep. I think the four. I think, I think, anytime a team gets in the red zone on third down, there should be a graphic that comes up, and there should be the course light four point play. So America knows that this is the most important play of the game. I've, I've said that before. But the other one I'd like to offer is all these morons <laughs> who think Tua is better than Herbert. I'd like to offer them a free, free eye exam at Pearl Vision Center, because they're blind. And they should get it treated. They should get some form to help them because they're not seeing. They're not seeing very clearly. They ha- There's got to be something wrong with their vision. It'd be the perfect Justin Herbert would offer you. I just mentioned his name. You get a 35 percent discount on all on your next eye exam because it's not even fucking close. Okay, like it's almost bizarre. I mean, I didn't have the sound on last night. I didn't have it on. I wasn't gonna listen to it. I was. I've been alone for a while, so I don't have. Millie's on the west coast, so I don't have to d- deal with the sound. So I don't know what the rhetoric was, but I know Pro Football Focus. I know they have them rated high. You know he, they've been behind the MVP campaign, but I do know this, Femi. Mm-hmm. I do know this. When all of them on the show before the game, I saw it all. I didn't hear the verbiage. I didn't hear the verbiage. But when they all predicted Miami to win in a rout, you know Miami's going to win. I said to I text my man Bill Berman and I said this is the time to bet the Chargers. <laughs> Because this is the time, I mean, it really is. It's the perfect time to bet. I mean, so, I mean, Coach Dungey's eight and seven now, just picking the winner of the game.
0: Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> that's not
1: Think so- about that. <laughs> no, we're picking I love Coach the- Dun- I mean, he's a wonderful man. He's a great. He's eight and seven, just picking the outcome of the game. <laughs> no. and, and I mean, the, the guy, the guy that didn't get the Stanford job. I mean, you know, like. That he's back smiling again. Like, I, I mean, again, I didn't listen to the sound, but once that was unanimous, that should have just told you to go to your local bookmaker and just bet as much as you want to bet. Uh,
0: for the record, Tua's stat line, uh, I don't know if he was putting out a tour date or something, but 10 of 28, 145 in a touchdown. At one point last night, Michael, he was 3 of 17, and they were just continuing to throw in the middle of the field. The Chargers were clogging it up there. Uh, Was there anything that you saw that was just a reminder, or was it something that that the Chargers were doing defensively that prevented the Dolphins from having any sort of success on offense?
1: Well, they they made him feel a little uncomfortable. Not that they had great pass rush, but they made him panic a little bit, and he doesn't play well fast. He plays really well when he has time to set his feet and throw it, and they were disruptive in the route, and they packed the middle of the field. I mean, they dared him to throw the ball on the outside and they know he was going to throw it up there and it was going to, you know, would hang in the air. I mean, the guy does not have a powerful arm and he can't drive the ball. I mean, I don't know why we're making this to be something it's not. You know, Tyreek Hill is the best player on the team. It's not even close. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, I mean, like if it wasn't for if you took Tyreek Hill off that team, where are they going? Where are they going? Right. So, like, I don't know. You got to pack the middle of the field and there was the weather was fine. I mean, the weather's been – I mean, he was indoors, so you would thought he would have driven the ball. But there's no driving of the football. And, you know, I, I just – to me, he's accurate, short. It's When you make him have to throw it down the field, some of those throws down the field were out of bounds, Femi. I mean, it, like this whole notion that he was going to be the MVP, he's the leading vote-getter in the Pro Bowl. I mean, you're talking about one of the great marketing campaigns of all time. <laughs> you know? I mean, you really are. You can't deny his numbers. I put him in the top five because of his numbers against some bad defenses. But I've kept saying all along, Femi, that once he plays against a good defense and a good defensive coach, that they'll, pack, that they'll make it hard for him like Pittsburgh did, like Buffalo did, like New England did. And Buffalo will do it again this week because I checked the weather report before I came on today.
0: Yeah.
1: It's going to be 32 windy and snow in Buffalo Saturday night. How do you think that's going to work out?
0: not gonna go up. Well. It's going to be a sloppy one. That's a massive game, though, for the Dolphins as well, who have lost back-to-back did you games the on ticket? the West Coast. What did you do I, with the I ticket? I don't have the, – the, the ticket doesn't what exist. What did you do with the ticket? <laughs> the ticket where doesn't is exist. It? I was searching. I was like, did I bet this? Like, when, when, where did this notion come from where I had a, a Tua MVP ticket? And I never did. I missed out on the party. And early on in the season, I was a little bummed that I didn't have a ticket. But I never purchased oh, a ticket. Oh, there Okay. I never, I right. never purchased maybe that, one. Maybe
1: that's what I misunderstood. that <laughs> you, Because you're the – you're, you know – you're the you're the Bob Barker of betting. You're the Price Is Right. I mean, yeah. you want to get the price. I mean, you are. It's all about. I the mean, price. I don't know if you have the. T- I don't know if you have all those pretty
0: models around you, but you are really Bob Barker. You want to get the <laughs> prices right. There's no doubt. You know, you, you got to get a little crazy if you want to win in betting. You got to take a couple of long shots. So, but I did not get it to a ticket. That whole train when they traded for Tyreek Hill, that train left the station, and I wasn't able to get anything down on a good price. So, uh, no ticket for me. And I'm glad I don't have one because I think. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. They wouldn't sing a song called Free Fallen. I think that's where those odds are going for Tua for the MVP. On the other sideline, though, Michael, Justin Herbert, I mean, he just reminded everybody how good of a quarterback he really is. 39 to 51, 367, and a touchdown. And I don't even think the stat line does it justice of just how good he was last night. Well, I think when he has Mike Williams, I mean, and I've said this all along. Mike
1: Williams is the is the is really the straw that stirs the drink. Keenan Allen is great, right? Keenan Allen. But Keenan Allen averaged 7.7 a catch. But Keenan Allen converts third downs. So there's a place for him. And he's very reliable. And, he, and he's able to make plays. But the guy who creates the most problems is Mike Williams. And because of his ability to get down the field and make plays, you've got to be good at corner. This is why they give the Chiefs trouble. Because these two receivers can win on the outside. And Herbert can deliver the football. I mean, He's tremendous. You know, the fact he threw it 51 times when they had the lead most of the game is somewhat yeah. remarkable, right? And I've said this all along about the Chargers. They, they, if they had a bigger back to go along with Eckler. Now, I mean, look, give the Chargers credit here, right? It's, and I've been hard on them a lot, but Same. they're playing with a lot of backup linemen. I don't even know who that right tackle was. Like, that's a backup, backup right tackle. The left tackle is the backup left tackle. I mean, the line's not great. He got sacked four times in the game. You know, I'm not sure it was a rough in the passer call. Of course, Scott Novak. You know, he can't wait to make everybody know he's refereeing the game. Yeah, that, but was, that was the, atrocious. I mean, that's just unbelievable. But, but anyway, but this kid's so great, and yet it's a one-score game. I mean, if Staley takes the points, I mean, how many times are we going to keep saying this? If he just takes the points, the game, he, the game's he's going to put the game away. But you know, he doesn't. He keeps turning them down, and. Uh, and, 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 you know, they got the one – to me, like, the one – when he went for it at the end of the half, I was okay with that because it was mm-hmm. like, all right, we're going to get the ball to start the half. We're here at the one. We might as well cash this bad boy in it because once, once we're there, let's just see if we could do it. I was scared about the play call, but Eckler was tremendous and got the ball in the end zone. But, look, I mean, Herbert's sensational. The guy's got – he's 22 and 23 as a starter. He's got 21 career, 300 passing yard days. Mm. He's got two more at 290. I don't know what more the guy can do. I don't know what more the guy and – and when he has those two receivers, which he hasn't had most se- of the season, they're really hard to stop.
0: You put Justin Herbert in the blue chips category this summer when we had the red chip, blue chip series for the QBs. And I think for most people, they want to see Herbert get to that next step of the playoffs. Right now the Chargers are the seventh seed in the AFC. Do you think this team will ultimately reach the postseason – and could they be dangerous if they get there? No, I don't think so because I think the strategy that
1: Mike McDaniel employed against them was the wrong one. You got to run the ball on this team, right? Mm-hmm. You got to really, you get like like most people. I mean, look, the Raiders beat them a week ago and they ran the football on them. You've got to have to. You can't go into the game and have night. I mean, this is a one possession game for most of the game, and they only have 19 carries. Now they didn't have the ball a lot, granted. When you got eight, when you're putting the ball into his hands as opposed to trying to control the game, I think they should have done a better job of running the football, keeping Herbert off the field, helping their defense out a little bit. I mean, they punted seven times in the game. Femi couldn't convert a third down. Did you see the third down numbers for for your boy? I mean, you know, <laughs> three, what, was of he? three of eleven on third down. They had, they had 219 yards. They get the biggest that fumble return by Tyreek Hill. I mean everybody. Well, you know, nobody stops Miami. Wait a minute. New England held them down. I think they scored ten points against New England. Their defense lined them up for the defense scored seven and got them a field goal. Buffalo, the ball was spotted. Pittsburgh scored. They scored sixteen against Pittsburgh. He threw almost threw four interceptions in that game. He didn't have one. Like the, this notion that the that it's just just a runaway train the way it goes on this thing about how great he is when when nobody watches the tape. He's throwing to wide open receivers. I mean, there was some the one throw to start the second half. I think it was where he threw it to Tyreek Hill was wide, and Tyreek Hill didn't even know where the ball was. You remember that play down yeah. the
0: field? Yeah. It looked like Tyreek had maybe lost it in the lights, or I'm not sure what happened, but it was, it, it it was just it was not a good throw there. And to your point, the Dolphins' offense, 219 yards of total offense against this Chargers defense that has been pretty bad. Doesn't bode well for Miami down the stretch here. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this Chargers team. A lot of people want to buy in because you see Herbert playing. You want to get excited about it. But on the other side of the ball, it's a little problematic. And we'll see that when you, they uh, face Tennessee take, this week. When
1: you play them with Mike Williams, you've got to take Mike Williams out of the game. And you've got to encourage them. You can't give up big plays. You cannot allow them to have the chunked yards. And they're not going to run the ball. They're not good enough to run the ball and beat you. They weren't good enough to run the ball against the Raiders to beat. so, you know, but when Mike Williams is on the field, it's a whole different story and he becomes a real problem. And and, but you can't allow the chunk plays. You can't allow them to make a play down the field. And and, you know, that that's where they become dangerous. You know, they'll give look when they play the Chiefs again, they'll give the Chiefs trouble because Mm -hmm. Herbert can match him. I mean, Herbert can match him now, Tennessee. They have Tennessee coming in this week. Right. One thing we've learned about Tennessee over the last couple of weeks, David Long's on IR. That, that's really a significant injury for Tennessee. That really hurts them. But what we saw Philly do to Tennessee is the same thing Jacksonville did. Don't try to run this thing. Throw it. It sets up really well for Chargers to play Tennessee, however, but you and I both know Tennessee will come in there and run the football on them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tough-minded team, and tough-minded teams have kind of given – the Chargers some issues, and we'll break that game down on Thursday. I can't wait to discuss that game because that's going to be a lot of fun uh, in the AFC wildcard picture. Michael, the feel-good story yesterday was out in Santa Clara in the Bay Area. The Niners, whew, what a performance. They absolutely beat down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 35-7. to Everyone's ready to brock and roll, Michael. Brock Purdy, how about his day? 16 of 21, 185, two touchdowns. The Mr. Irrelevant, the rookie seventh rounder getting it done against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Well, I mean, look, this is we talked about it on Thursday, right?
1: I mean, he's got five guys that he throws the ball to that can go with it after the catch. So he's got a really good team to set up with. And this defense, we knew that that I said it before, if Brady's got to throw this thing fifty times, they're not going to win. Right. And I think what happens to a lot of people is they get confused in the sense that You know, most coaches want to spend time drawing run pass plays when really the the most, the best offensive coaches understand how to run the ball against a specific opponent. And you can't go in and play San Francisco and try to fire that thing up 55 times. Now, you got behind 28 to nothing at the half, so there's no reason you you have to throw it from that point. But look, they were able to run the ball. They had 36 rushes for 209 yards. McCaffrey was sensational, you know, and Purdy, what. What hard throw did Purdy make? I mean, he made a great throw to Ayuk for a touchdown. I wasn't sure that was a touchdown. They ruled it. I wasn't sure. I don't know what you felt like the thirty-two yarder, but I mean, these guys are really good yards after the catch. I mean, they're dangerous, and so Kyle does a great job of giving him plays. And look, this Buck team—I'd hate to have been on that airplane flying home with Brady. I'd hate to have been on that plane. I mean, he's got to be so pissed off at the at the level of performance from all from our, from everybody in this. I mean, defensively, offensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, and how about this? They He didn't even get get sacked. That's the crazy he part. Get, he didn't get sacked, but there was nowhere to throw the ball. Nobody, There was no place to get to the ball to.
0: On the Purdy end, though, because – and I kind of tweeted about it tongue-in-cheek while I was watching the game because everybody gets kind of caught up with the whole thing. Uh, but there's some things that Purdy can do. I said that maybe the Niners upgraded that quarterback. There's some things that – he can do with his mobility that Garoppolo doesn't necessarily do like the out of structure stuff the off script stuff I thought from Purdy was pretty good clearly Jimmy has a better grasp of the offense but Purdy's mobility gives him another dynamic michael like is this something that can be sustainable down the stretch here well look you know as long as they can run the ball they got Seattle this week we will talk about
1: Seattle and Carolina later in the pod but <laughs> i mean if they can they can run the ball and run play action i mean if there's a lot of easy throws in the offense like, there's not a hard, lot of hard throws. It's, and the decision-making that's built within the framework of the offense is is easy. So it's like, okay, you're going to throw it here to there. It's like Baker on Thursday night. I mean, McVay was telling him where to throw the ball. He had the headset all the way to the end. Okay, you know, we're going to run this play, throw the over out, the over will be wide open. And he did it. And so it's the same thing. I mean, it's what we call it managing the quarterback, but it's that's kind of a bad term. It's being helpful to the quarterback. It's allowing the quarterback to have success, not asking him to do stuff that he's not really ready to do. You know, a lot of, uh, we saw, I thought we saw more boots out of San Francisco. I thought they moved the pocket. He did a great job, the kid. I, I thought he would do a good job. I wasn't really that worried about him. You know, He had the one interception, got called back for a penalty, but I really wasn't worried about him because they've, the, all he's got to do is be the facilitator. He's just got to be the John Stockton of their offense. Just dish it.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think there was anything to worry about with Brock Purdy. There is a little bit of stuff to worry about, though, for the Niners. Debo Samuel suffering that high ankle sprain, carted off. It sounds like the high ankle sprain was probably the best outcome from that injury, at least at initial look there, because it looked brutal. Uh, Feel bad for Debo. Maybe he can get back to the uh, lineup when we start the playoffs, but the Niners keep dealing with all these injuries, which is just truly unfortunate, because I think as a complete healthy team, they might have an argument for being one of the best teams in the NFL.
1: Well they could they could I mean look Philly's running away with it and they could certainly give Philly competition. I mean think about this yesterday, Femi. they have a 38-yard touchdown big play, a 20, 32-yard touchdown big play, a 27-yard touchdown big play. You know, and when you when you're making big plays and getting touchdowns off of big plays, you know, you know you're pretty good. And so, you know, they've got to stay healthy and but they have enough skill to kind of offset the even Debo's kind of being hurt for a couple of weeks. How long it's going to take to see what he has to do. Mhm. I mean it is good news that it's not broken, but some, you know, and then we'll see how, how hard or how long that, that uh that high ankle sprain keeps them out. But look, they've got they've got players that are really good with the ball in their
0: hands. And that's what and this offense is set up for that. Last thing on this game, Michael, are the Bucks done?
1: I, I think the Bucks are I think the Bucs are it's just not there. I mean, they're fundamentally they're they there's no details that get covered. Offensively, they're a complete mess. They have no idea who they are. Uh, they can't really function. They, there's no strength to their team. They can't run the ball this year. They can't stop the run. They used to stop the run. They were tough to block, to, to handle last year. They look like a team that's read their press clippings more than anything. There's mm-hmm. not. There's the level of play. They can't rise their level of play. Actually, they sink to the level of play. I mean, everybody was, you know, talking about. Well, they came from behind against the Saints. I mean, if Mark Ingram stays in bounds, they're going to lose to the Saints. They're going to lose that game, you know? So I don't see it. You know, there's, there's no switch they're going to be able to turn on. I mean, think about this, Femi. Yesterday, I mean, now I look, I know San Francisco's a great defense and all that, right? But when you look at it, I mean, they made no big plays in the game. They couldn't make a big play in the game. They can't get the ball down because here's why they can't make a play to get down the field. They can't get it down the field because they can't protect long enough. Brady's got to get the ball out of his hands so quick. I mean, they had a 32-yard pass late in the game in the second quarter to uh, I think it was to to, to Godwin, Mm -hmm. and then Brady threw another one in the fourth quarter for 20 yards. That was it. The Two plays, 32 and 20. They're the only explosive plays they had the whole day.
0: Yeah, they had the one to Evans, but that was called back for holding. It's just, it's not a good recipe right now in Tampa Bay, but they're still in first place in that NFC South, remarkably enough. Are but they? Might not be for long. Who knows? Just based on how Carolina's yeah. been playing. We'll talk about the Panthers a little bit later. But, Michael, let's talk about my team, the Dallas Cowboys. Boy, yeah. they they almost suffered the worst loss of the season. Would have been the biggest upset from the point spread standpoint all year long had they lost this game to the Houston Texans, but they come from behind to win it 27-23, Zeke Elliott scoring the go-ahead touchdown with less than a minute to play. This is now back-to-back weeks, Michael, where the Cowboys haven't really played all that well. And I know what the score set against Indianapolis last week, but if you actually watched that game for three quarters, it was kind of sloppy. Should we be concerned with Dallas moving forward?
1: I think this. I don't think fans can understand this because the mindset of the fans is different than the mindset of the players. I think the hardest job any coach has is to get his team to play at a very high level against a team that, that you're supposed to beat, right? Like, the the problem with the Cowboys isn't the Cowboys are playing bad. The Cowboys aren't playing to a standard that they've established for themselves. Mm-hmm. That That's the issue. So when when you're a team and you're not really worried about the scoreboard or the opponent and you have an established criteria of excellence that you must meet, then then the opponent is insignificant. And so the coach has an easier job of motivating the team to the level of – to the standard of excellence, right? That's what he's trying to get the team to. But when, you're, but when your team's focused on, well, we're 17.5, we can, we can play – we don't have to play our best to win this game. It's a hard job for a coach, and especially when you have a lot of young players on your team, and then they have a lot of injuries. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that they have a healthy corner in the game. I mean, David Diggs was hurt that he came back. They were losing corners, they lose steel, the right tackle. Yep. I mean, they started losing guys in the game, which was a problem for them. But I, I think it was a hard game, as bad as she, it's hard to walk into a, staff, into a team meeting room and say to your team, "Look, this Houston, Texas team's really good." and then they watch the <laughs> yeah. tape of them against, fucking, against Cleveland, and you're like, "Well, they suck. Yeah, you know? Like they suck. You know, and and typically they did yesterday, the Texans did, what they usually do, what, what they had done earlier in the year, which is play good for three quarters and
0: then phase out. You just hope that Dallas isn't looking ahead to that matchup a couple weeks down the line against the Philadelphia Eagles because they have these three NF, or AFC South games leading up to that contest. Uh, hopefully the Cowboys can remain focused and keep a little bit of pressure on the Eagles who have I mean, but
1: Dak's got to Dak's got to play better. Yeah, I mean, Dak does. does some dumb things. I mean, Dak does some things that you can't live with. I mean, you know, Dak does he's going to have to play at a higher level. They're going to have to get Dak to play much better than he is playing. I mean, now they got to go into Jacksonville. And look, Jacksonville will have their attention. You know, they got 3 of the next 4 games on the road. So they got to go to Jacksonville, got to go to Tennessee, and they got to end up with the Commanders. So they they've got it. They, they, they're going to have to get healthy. I don't know where Steele was. I think he may be – I don't know if he's it's, out for it's the pretty, year. It's
0: pretty bad is what they're
1: so saying. So that, that right tackle, that's going to be a real issue for him. You know, and, and so that's going to be a problem because Steele was playing well for him. And, and so, you know, but they'll play better against Jacksonville because they'll be able to pressure and do some things to, to uh, Trevor Lawrence to kind of create some problem. But they've got to get healthy. I think the big issue with the, with the Cowboys is their health, especially at the cornerback position. You know Anthony Brown's out with an Achilles. They you know they went into the game. They were they were beat. They got beat up in the game. Curse! What the hell happened to Curse? I mean he it, he, he got hurt in
0: pregame warm-up. Uh, it's ridiculous. Now he ended up playing in the game, but it was looking scary that he was limping off. And I'm like, how the hell do you get hurt in pregame warm-ups? I'm not sure what they're doing, but uh yeah, they're pretty banged up. But Tyron Smith sounds like he. Could, might possibly be able to play this week, if not maybe next, and they really need him to come back because I think they can kind of shift some things around on the offensive line, maybe move Jason Peters to right tackle if Steele is going to be out for the rest of the season here. But the Dallas Cowboys got to get healthy, and they got to get focused because uh, the playoffs are uh, coming up did down the Did you watch stretcher. much of that? Yeah. Pem, did you watch much of that game? Yeah, I watched it, unfortunately. <laughs> I watched much of it, and I was pissed off for a lot of it <laughs> until the end there. Um, but, yeah, they, I thought they struggled, honestly, with Driscoll the mobility of Driscoll, and that's something that we've seen this Cowboys uh, defense struggle a little bit. When they played the Eagles that first time with Jalen Hurts, when they played Justin Fields, going up against that movement, that six-back attack there, like, I think there's some things that with the mobile quarterbacks that have given this Dallas defense some problems. So, Well, especially if, you know, like, I don't think they expected it, right? No, they didn't. When you're not ready for it, then it's hard.
1: You kind of get caught off guard. You know, and all of a sudden, Driscoll come- – I mean, who would have thought Driscoll was going to come in and play and yeah. move around like that? It's kind of tough.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it, w- it was not their best showing, but they won nonetheless. Maybe that's a sign of a great team. We shall see as they improve to 10-3. and But, Michael, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll discuss Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. They keep on rolling down there in Motown. 168 hours after issuance See dkng.com/bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. All right Michael, yesterday afternoon we saw the Detroit Lions win their fifth game of their last six tries. They beat the Minnesota Vikings 34 to 23 improving to 6 and 7 on the season. And after the game, we heard from head coach Dan Campbell about what this win streak has meant. To this Lions organization, I'm drained, <laughs> but I'm excited. Believe me, I mean they, the guys know how I felt all week about this game. Um, but yeah, look, I, I don't think there's a surprise here. We, we you know, I've said it before. Um, you know, it's it's hard when you you get down in the dumps and you were where we were at. You know, it's easy to lose faith, but these guys never did, and we stayed true to what we were about. And uh, and they knew. They believed we were one play away, and that's, that's where we've been. And so now we're making the, the play. You know, we're, we're making the one extra play. Uh, this, it's not costing us, you know. And, and we're able to over, overcome some of these mistakes we were making earlier. So, um, no, our guys, they know they belong. They know they belong. And, and they know when they play football like we've been playing the last six weeks, we can play with anybody. That's the truth. Ooh, is that yeah. the truth, Michael? Well, I mean,
1: look, they—you know, I, I, uh, I watched a lot of the game. I went through it this morning, and I mean, they did. I mean, look, they, they did a great job on Dalvin Cook. He had the red zone turnover. This was a Minnesota game that was not typical of Minnesota in the sense that Minnesota typically is really good in the red zone. They were two for four. They're usually good on defense in the red zone like they were against the Jets. They weren't against Detroit. Detroit's red zone offense has really been very effective. They were 2-for-2. Two two. Detroit made big plays, 46 and a 41-yard touchdown on big plays. But I think credit the Detroit defense for stopping the run, making, them, making the game one-dimensional. Credit the referees for calling Jefferson out of bounds, you know, because it made the close. And, and, look, credit Campbell for the fake punt was a great call. Mm-hmm. Great call. Needed that. Kind of turned the momentum. But the fullback in the flat with your man Sewell, which is yeah. really the offensive tackle in the flat, was a hell of a call. Hell of a call. Perfect call. Kind of what they absolutely needed at that moment. And they did it. And and look, you know, nobody's playing better than Goff right now. You know, Goff has been very effective. He's, his accuracy down the field has been great. They didn't get any pressure on him. He had time to throw the ball in the pocket. And, and you know, both teams averaged six, seven yards per, per play. But this Detroit team just found ways to get the ball. It made the big plays. 48-yard touchdown, 41-yard touchdown. I mean, they make big plays. And Credit them. I I thought they would win the game. I think it's a little. The score was a little misleading. I think the game was a lot closer. I think what happened in this game is the is and give Detroit full credit here is they won the fourth quarter. So Minnesota has 15 plays in the fourth quarter. They get five first downs and 10 points, but they fumbled. Meanwhile, Detroit had 29 plays in the fourth quarter. They got nine first downs and scored 13 points. Like, they won the fourth quarter, which is what they had to do. And I think you got to credit the, the, the call on third and one where they needed to get that first down or else they mm. were going to punt it back. And I don't think their defense would have stopped them. I really don't. I mean, the game, as it was, it came down to an onside kick.
0: You mentioned Jared Goff and how he's been playing. Over those past five games, this is from Field Yates over at ESPN, Goff is 117 of 169. That's 69%. 1,300 passing yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions – a QBR of 75. As the Lions are four and one in those games, averaging just under 27 points per game. This offense has been clicking for much of this season, but the defense playing a little bit better. We're seeing Aiden Hutchinson, the second overall pick, he's starting to come yeah. on. Like, like this defense, they're not good, but they're playing at kind of maybe an average level, which is probably all this team needs to continue to win games. I, I, and They played good in the red zone, right? They stopped the run. They didn't let Cook get going, which
1: was critical, right? You know that they made. Minnesota one-dimensional. They got four sacks on Cousins. They, I mean, Minnesota lost their backup left tackle, too, in the game, which was a problem. But, you know, and, and they were able to handle that. And, look, they created the two fumbles, which was essential. And, and look, and Detroit missed a field goal in the game, too, right? You know, the wide left, 40, Bagley mm-hmm. missed a wide... That really would have been a... That was a huge miss at that point in the game, because that would have made it a, a two-score game, and he missed that field goal, which was problematic. But... uh you know, they, they did a hell of a job. I mean, that was right at the end of the first half. With 10 seconds to go in the half, he misses that field goal. Would have sent them in at halftime. They would have been up 17-7. to But, you know, they came back from that. But, you know, look, Minnesota, they can't stop anybody on defense. Yeah. And they didn't play good in the red zone. I mean, this, is, this was kind of the game that we've all been waiting for Minnesota to have, which was not great. And then they got dominated in the second half. I mean, Minnesota only had the ball for less than 10 minutes in the second half. Think about that, Femi. They had less than 10 minutes in the second half. The entire second half, not the fourth quarter. The entire second half.
0: That's pretty remarkable. And I saw this from ESPN Stats and Info. Vikings allowing 464 total yards. Their fifth straight game that the Vikings defense have allowed at least 400 yards in a game. That's the longest streak in franchise history. This defense is historically bad. And we've had all the discussions. Hey, are the Vikings frauds? Are the Vikings pretenders? And games like this are gonna kind of reinforce more of those kind of beliefs that people have about this Minnesota team. But real quick, Michael, before we get to the next game, the Lions at six and seven, they have a favorable schedule going on. Now they have a tough game in New York against the Jets on Sunday. But do you think that this team could potentially sneak in to the playoffs in the NFC wild card? I mean, they could. I mean, who's the
1: the, the way they're playing? That, you know they're peaking at the right time. I mean the Jets game will be a tough game, but who's going to play quarterback for the Jets? We'll get to them. But Mike White took a beating. I mean yeah. Mike White. I mean po- that poor kid took a beating. I mean it's tough man. You know I mean that was bad. And then they, are they going to go back to Flacco? Or are they going to resurrect? Are they going to resurrect Zach Wilson? So <laughs> that's going to be the determining factor in that game. But look, they're not playing. They're playing so well on offense. And for as much as I criticize Golf for having the table too near the heaters. He's won two outdoor games recently. So, you know, unless there's a meltdown offensively, they can move the ball. Look, the offensive line is protected. They move the ball well. Give Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, credit. They've got a good scheme. They get the ball down the field. And, and Goff, when he has time to set his feet, like we've often said, he didn't get sacked yesterday. He didn't, Minnesota didn't get near him. They only had four tackles for losses.
0: Really impressive stuff there from the Detroit Lions, but the best team in the NFL, Michael, resides in Philadelphia. At least from a record standpoint, the Eagles improved to twelve and one after they absolutely demolished the New York Giants, forty-eight to twenty-two. Eagles clinched the first playoff berth this season, so we got one spot already locked in. Thirteen more to go, and uh, this was probably the worst bet I've made all year, Michael. <laughs> Giants plus. You seven. did? Don't tell me you took the Giants. I took the Giants, man, <laughs> and, oh and it was it was over in about ten minutes. <laughs>
1: You kind of, you know, it's one of those where, like, my, my last week what I, I did on Russo, I took, two weeks ago, I took Houston versus, versus Cleveland because I <laughs> thought they would. And after, like, the first eight minutes of the game, I said, you're an idiot. You're such an idiot. Why would you recommend that? I fell into the trap, man. <laughs> I mean, here's the scary part about Philly is when they play these teams that they know they're better than. And, and the best thing that ever happened to Philly was the Washington loss. Because what happened with that loss was that game plan everybody wants to duplicate. Everybody says, okay, here's how you got to beat Philly. you got to keep the ball away from them. you got to convert third downs. you know, you got to make them play desperate, yada, yada, yada. So Philly's taking the approach, we're going to go back to just being really aggressive and scoring. So they're throwing the ball more early in the game to get the lead. And so once they got the lead in this game, what was it, 24-7 to at the half, The game was over. So now, we, we've said this all year about the Giants. They're a nice story. They're not very talented. You know, they, 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 they can only play one way. They can only play one way. They have to play a close game, play great in the red zone. They've got to stay attached throughout the entire game, get the game in the fourth quarter, find a way to win. That's the only chance they have. And when Philly made it 24-7, to and Philly's not going to take their foot off the gas. They're going to keep trying to score. So... This was really a, an impossible challenge for the Giants. They're not; they don't have enough team speed on defense to handle Philadelphia. They can't cover man-to-man. You know, they don't have Leonard Williams in there to help in the running game, so they're late in the box in the run game. They can't figure it out. And then offensively, I mean, where are they going to go? You know, once that line moved, Femi, that's why I was surprised you went for it because the line went from there. Was Barkley was really doubtful whether he was going to mm-hmm. play and. I wasn't sure he would, but, what you know, you knew he wasn't going to have an impact on the game because he's got this neck thing. So once they made Daniel Jones have to participate in the game, I mean, it's over. I mean, who's making a big play for the Giants? I mean, their longest pass play was what? Slayton had a 37-yarder. They have no explosiveness on the outside. You know, I mean, what's that kid they signed from Detroit, uh, Galladay? I mean, you talking a about a guy who's robbed. I mean, geez, oh, man.
0: Yeah, that's a ski mask contract. Oh, my God. That's, it, it, the Barkley news, I figured Barkley would play. The one that caught me off guard, though, was Leonard Williams. I, for some reason, that slipped through the cracks uh, this week when I was looking at the injury reports. And I, I saw it Sunday morning. I was like, oh, I might be in trouble uh, if, if he's not on the yeah. field.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, when Philly, when, Philly, when Philly has this mindset to, to, that we're going to throw it. I mean, now look, Philly ran the ball 31 times in the game. So I'm not saying they didn't run it. I mean, they had 31 rushes in the game and averaged 8.2, and Hertz had his 7 for 77. I mean, and he, you know, 24-yarder. But when they have that mindset to really take it over and start the game off, I mean, here's how they start the game. They go 14 plays touchdown. They go 12 plays touchdown. They go one play touchdown. I mean, now they're at 21 to nothing. And, And if it wasn't for the block punt, you know, this would be 24 to nothing at the half.
0: Eagles are pretty damn good, twelve and one, and uh, I think them being really good in the combination of the Gonzaga schedule that they're playing that you talk about, yeah, fifteen and but two. But I, I, like I think the, the loss,
1: to, I, you can't underestimate the loss to Washington. How mm-hmm. how it's given the Eagles a a look see into how people will want to play them, you know. And so the Giants are sitting here, okay, we're gonna they're four for thirteen on third down. Well, you can't run the you can't do the Commanders playbook if you don't convert third downs. And so now people are going, to look, it's going to take a team that can throw the football effectively and has speed on defense. That's not the Giants. The Giants don't match up to Philly. The Giants are two drafts away from matching up to Philly. That's what they really are, in, in all honesty. The fact that the Giants have won seven games, a tribute to, to Brian Daybald and, and the coaching staff there for mm-hmm. being able to keep them attached. But when they, get behind, when they play somebody who can move the football understands how to throw, and can build a lead, it's over.
0: Pretty good job that those guys have done. I mean, they were 6-1. We were sitting here asking if the Giants were good, and, I mean, the Giants fans were yelling at us, and, hey, how the hell can you ask this question? We're 6-1, but uh, it's kind of fallen off of the rails here uh, as we've entered the second half But they get it
1: back this week. They got Washington. And, look, Washington coming off the bye. You know, Heineke's not – you know, look, he's not going to run away from anybody. I mean, the season's not lost for the Giants. I mean, the season isn't – you know, I think what are they are, four point
0: dog going down to, uh, yeah. going down yeah, to Washington this week. Four and a half, five is what I'm seeing right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, so look, uh, probably nobody will be betting them, but this is the perfect time. It's us against the world. Yeah.
0: Well, it was us against the world for the Jacksonville Jaguars going down to Tennessee to take on the Titans and the Jags. What a performance. This team, they're the Jekyll and Hyde team, Michael, of, of, of this NFL season. Because when you want to go out on them, then they come and reel you back in with Lawrence playing well. 30 of 42, 368, three touchdowns. The Jags win the game 36-22. For a second there, I thought Derrick Henry was going to break the all-time single-game rushing record there with how he was running the ball in the first half, but Jacksonville just kind of blitzed them in the second and third quarter, and then now the rest was history.
1: Yeah, and I thought, too, you know, I give Jacksonville credit. I mean, they tried to run it 25 times. They didn't get very much success to it, but they at least tried it, right? It wasn't a 50-pass game for Lawrence, and they took advantage of a secondary that's not very good. I mean – Without David Long on the field, David Long was on IR. I mean, and if you go back last year when he missed games, look at, the, look at, the, look at Tennessee's defensive output when he wasn't the, on the field. Well, he, I know he's a little inside linebacker, but he's fast. He makes a lot of plays. He really helps their defense tremendously, gives them strength down the middle. And they just can't cover. I mean, they just don't have any cover people. I mean, Tennessee averaged 5.8 yards per play. I mean, they were, I mean, excuse me, 6.4 yards per play. You know, they had 11 drives in the game and the only three punts. They had seven of those drives resulted in scores. I mean, Tennessee can't, couldn't get control of the game. And as good as Henry could run the ball, once once you score and make them play catch-up and make Tannehill have to go back 38 times and throw it, now he gets sacked all of a sudden. You know, it's hard. I mean, look, we we've been saying this all year, you know, Giants not a talented team. Tennessee's not a talented team. They're well. Co- Both teams are well coached, mm-hmm. but neither team is overly talented with skill and
0: explosive speed, and it shows up. Yeah, it most definitely shows up. Jacksonville now five and eight. They're sneakily in this AFC wild card picture. Uh, also kind of sneaky, still alive to maybe win the division, but they're going to have to go on some kind of run. To end the year, Lawrence. Well, I mean, he they they terrific. gave
1: away yeah. way too many games this yeah.
0: year, and I said it.
1: I wrote about it before they went out and played the Chargers. I I thought they were the best team in the South. Then when they beat Indianapolis at home, they shut them out twenty-four to nothing. But you know, they go and they play. They lose to Houston thirteen to six. They give that game away. They give away the Indianapolis Colts game, right? They lose thirty-four to what they lose 27. Then they mm-hmm. the Giant game. They gave that one away. How about the one over in, uh, in Europe? They, they lose to the Broncos. 20. Broncos had nine had had. Uh, Twelve drives in the game, they punted nine times, they had three scores, right? You know, and so that that they lose that one. They beat the Raiders, they come back, they beat Baltimore, then they lose the Detroit blew them out. Although that was a little closer game than you think it was. It was, mm-hmm. you know, they Detroit kind of they just got Detroit put pressure on them and, and it got to be a problem. But they 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 let a couple games slip away because of their consistency on some of the I mean they're fifty-one percent on fourth down team, and yet they keep going for it. They've had twenty-seven attempts on fourth down and converted 14 of them. Mm.
0: You mentioned those Broncos, Michael. Well, they almost pulled off quite the comeback yesterday against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs win the game 34-28. They improved to 10-3 on the season. Haven't quite yet clinched the AFC West, but that's only just a matter of days away here. Um, at one point, this was 27-0, Michael. Then all of a sudden, here comes the the short-order cook. Here he comes. And he's making the game a little bit close as that thing got – Kind of tight there for Kansas City, but they held on nonetheless.
1: I, I didn't have the sound on. Did he get a concussion? Is that yeah. why they took him out? And we yeah, yeah. He's, he's, in, he's in
0: concussion protocol.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I to me the problem with this game was Kansas City just get I, for some reason they get bored. I mean, for some reason this, here's their second half. They go three place punts. I mean, think about their second quarter. Let's just go their second quarter. They go touchdown, touchdown. Then he throws a bad interception. Then he throws an interception at the end of the half, which gets them points, right? So he goes touchdown, touchdown, interception. Then he comes back. They go three place punt, three place punt, touchdown, punt, interception. I mean, like you can't. I mean, there's got to close the game out. That if you had Tampa, if you had Kansas City laying the points, that that's a bad beat. You should have covered that in. A, I mean, because to, to think that to think that that the the, the the Broncos are going to score 28 points is somewhat remarkable and be three for three in the red zone.
0: <laughs> it, there's something that's this Chiefs team, I've been saying it all season. Something's just kind of not right. And I think they, they put so much pressure on Mahomes to be the very best quarterback in the NFL. And he is, he is the best quarterback. But he has to damn near be perfect for them to win a lot of these games. And, and yesterday, he wasn't perfect. He had the three interceptions, and that's why Denver was able to score 28 points. If he has even just a B-plus game in the playoffs, they're going home. That's like, what I, happened I, last like, year.
1: I mean, <laughs> it happened last year, Femi. I mean, they, you know, he, when, he, when he didn't play well in the second half, it happened. You know, and, and, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, Kelsey, Kelsey still had four catches for 17 yards a catch. You know, I mean, the, 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 you can't turn the ball over. I mean, you can't turn the ball over. They gave up 100 yards rushing. Russell Wilson had 57 yards rushing in the game.
0: Yeah. Who almost, would have thought that happened? It was looking like 2013 all over again for Russ. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Wilson, 23 of 36, 247, three touchdowns and an interception. Jerry Judy had himself a nice day as well. Eight catches, 73 yards, and three TDs. But uh, this game was more about the Chiefs getting that win as they go to 10-3, and and then we'll see what they can do and clinch the division maybe this upcoming week. But, Michael, let's take another break. We'll get back to the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks. What a game that was, Panthers bullying the Seahawks up in the Pacific Northwest. We'll discuss it here on the GM Shuffle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts. All right, Michael, yesterday the Carolina Panthers beat the Seattle Seahawks 30-24, to and it was just right from the get-go. You could see that Panthers' physicality running the football on that Seattle defense that has continued to regress over this past month.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they, they won it up front. I mean, they beat the shit out of them. I mean, give the Carolina – I mean, James Camp and the line coach has done a great job. I, I really think – you know, obviously my son's down there. I like the coaches on the staff, so I am partial, but – when you compare this line last year to this year, it's completely different. And, you know, the first-round pick at left tackles played well. Christensen at left guard. The set, everybody's playing well, and they come off the ball. And by losing McCaffrey, by trade McCaffrey, they found an identity. When they had McCaffrey, they were just run- they were running plays, mm-hmm. you know. And now they become this physically tough, we're going to knock you around. And they've got a change of pace back with Hubbard and Blackman, I think it is. And then they bring in Foreman. And so, you know, I mean, they had 10 drives in the game, Femi. Only punted twice. <laughs> you know, and then one time they, they, they had a chance down the goal line. They didn't run it at all down there. They threw it four times and they didn't come away with any points. But, I mean, let's make no mistake about it. They pushed Seattle around and ran the ball in a place which is hard to run, which is on their field.
0: Yeah, we don't really see the Seahawks get bullied like that at home. Uh, after the game, head coach Steve Wilks, or interim head coach Steve Wilks, talked about this Panthers team and how they've been able to really rally around each other after everybody has kind of written them off uh, this year?
1: Everything that, you know, we've gone through, they've gone through with the different, you know, (laughs) coaching changes, you know, getting rid of players, the the organization trying to tank it, you know, all those different things. And to see how those guys respond and came out and played today, it is pretty uh, uh, thrilling and emotional, yes.
0: It's got to be a fun ride back to Charlotte for that Panthers team, that cross-country trip.
1: The guy's done a great job. I mean, give him credit, right? You know, Steve, was, Steve learned from his mistakes at Arizona. He had one year at Arizona, and when he got the job at Carolina, he said, hey, look, I'm going to try to do this my way, and I'm going to be honest and, and handle it, and he's done a great job. I mean, you know, the, if, if DJ Moore keeps his helmet on, they're in first place. Yeah. Think about that, Femi. That's crazy. Keeps his helmet on, they're in first place. That's crazy. And they've played hard. <laughs> other, than the, other than the Cincinnati game where they just didn't, weren't into that, that game, they played well. they got Pittsburgh coming in this week. Look, they have an identity. I mean, Sam Darnold, the longest play they had in the game was 24 yards. That was when Sam Darnold scrambled. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep pounding the rock, and their defense is good enough to make plays. J.C. Horn's outstanding at corner, so mm-hmm. give Wilkes credit. I mean, he's got them focused, and they buy it in. That's what you want. I mean, that's what you want to see.
0: Has the clock struck midnight on Geno Smith?
1: I don't think so. I mean, the one interception he threw – I think he thought they were off sides. And so he threw it kind of like he got pressure and he just threw it up there. I thought they were off sides and the flag didn't come down. The, 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 you know, and so I don't think so. You know, I was actually a little surprised that Seattle blocked Burns as well as they did. He had time to throw. They just, I mean, they didn't have the ball enough. I mean, Seattle, I mean, I, I think it was Carolina had the ball for almost 39 minutes in the game. You know, and, and it's hard to, when you can't, look, when you can't stop the run and you get worn down like that, it's, it's hard. And they had no answer. And at the end of the game, they put the game away. Carolina had the ball 39 minutes in the game. And the last drive of the game, they, went, they got the ball back in the last drive of the game. I, Millie's on the West Coast. I text her and I said, we need four first downs to win the game. And they went nine plays, 34 yards, got three first downs to kick the field goal. They got the 10-yard penalty on the face mask, which was the other first down. And they kicked the field goal and won the game.
0: The Panthers had 14 rushing first downs. (laughs) That just goes to show you what kind of a butt whooping that was yesterday afternoon. Uh, Let's go over to Pittsburgh, Michael, where the Baltimore Ravens, this was a classic Steelers-Ravens game. Every single one of these feels like it's 17-14, 16-14. Baltimore ended up being victorious, but we actually saw both starting quarterbacks leave the game going into concussion protocol. First, it was Tyler Huntley who got hurt, and then Anthony Brown came in, and also Kenny Pickett ended up in concussion protocol. And Mitch Trubisky came in, 22 of 30, 276, one TD, three interceptions. This is the game that Pittsburgh, if they don't make the playoffs, and it doesn't look like they will, this is one they're going to be looking back on saying, damn, we really blew that opportunity at home against the Ravens.
1: Yeah, they really did. I mean, they got a chance to, you know, they they have a chance to, to, to make some play, I mean, he throws two interceptions in the second quarter, one at the Baltimore seventeen, one at the Baltimore twenty three, and then he throws another one at the Baltimore forty six. I mean, it's classic MVP Mitch. You know, did you have an MVP ticket too? Did, I did you not. have a Mitch Travis? I did MVP not.
0: I actually didn't like the Bears that going into that season because I did see all the MVP love well, from him. I, I got to check. Sure. I remember <laughs> yeah, there was so the much archives.
1: liability. That's that's why I named him MVP <laughs> Mitch because there was he was everybody had all that liability yeah. on him. You know, so look I mean Baltimore's amazing that they were able to win this game and they ran the game out they were able to run the game out after they you know after the missed field goal they ran 13 plays 57 yards and kicked the field goal so and then they you know got six then when they get the ball back they ran six plays got eight yards and got one first down so I mean it was kind of remarkable that the last 230 of the game when they got it they ran it out against Pittsburgh which is supposed to have been better at the run defense but they weren't in this game, so we'll see. I mean, look, Atlanta ran the ball on Pittsburgh. Baltimore, 42 carries, 215. I thought J.K. Dobbins won that long run. He looked like he was hurt. Did he look mm-hmm. hurt to you, J? He doesn't look right. He doesn't look right to me at all. Yeah. when I, I we said going into the game, I thought I liked Baltimore taking the two because I didn't think Pittsburgh would run the ball on Baltimore. They had 20 carries for 65 yards. I thought it would put too much pressure on the quarterback. Now, I didn't anticipate MVP Mitch throwing three picks, <laughs> but – I thought that's kind of how it's got to go. But the red zone picks, I mean, God, I mean, this is what you get. I mean, if Mitch doesn't, if it doesn't go the way you practice it with Mitch, it ain't going to happen in the game.
0: If he doesn't throw those interceptions, Pittsburgh probably wins the game, which is just yeah. It, it's not a good situation. For him. But Kenny Pickett now being in the protocol, we'll see if he can clear that protocol by the time they take on the Carolina Panthers with the AFC East battle, Michael. The Bills and the Jets, Buffalo, end up closing as ten point favorites. They don't cover, but they do win twenty to twelve. The first ten drives of this game, Michael, were all punts. Uh, yeah. This was an offensive just an ugly performance from both teams. Offensively, the weather was crappy. It's Western New York in December. I guess what else did you expect? But uh, Buffalo gets a much needed victory as they kind of start to get a little bit of a cushion in that AFC East division.
1: Yeah, I mean, Buff- the Jets have played Buffalo well. I mean, the Jets defense it really sets up well. They couldn't make mm-hmm. an explosive play. I think what you know, twenty-four yard pass to Knox and a thirty-two yarder to Digs were their two biggest plays of the game. You know, and look when Buffalo when things aren't going well for Buffalo, they're going to run the ball with Allen. There's no doubt about that. But I don't know how Mike White's going to feel because Mike White got the crap beat out of him. I mean, and that, that Carter fumble really did him in. And uh, and that became a problem. Look, they take the field goal. You know, it's a backdoor cover on that field goal. I mean, I I, I had the red zone on, on the 1 o'clock game, and Romo was saying, no, don't kick the field goal. Get the first down. <laughs> no, I think you got to kick the – because it's going to come down to an onside kick at some mm-hmm. point, so you got to get it, you know? So, I mean, it, they, you cover if you took the Jets, which I thought was the right play, but it was ugly. Buffalo's going to have to start playing a little bit better, especially against these teams that are fast
0: on defense like the, like the Jets. The Jets, and we've talked a lot about this defense, and Sauce Gardner gets a lot of the headlines because he's been terrific as a rookie. Their best player is Quentin Williams, in my opinion. Quentin and Williams, hurt, yeah, he got hurt, and, and that could be a big thing. It sounds like it's a calf injury. He's day-to-day is what Robert Sala said after the game. But Quentin Williams has become a beast. He's become the guy that was t- picked in the top five of that draft there. He's been a really good player. Did you also catch what Robert Salas said, though, after the game? No. He said that, that uh, we'll see these guys again, is what he said.
1: We'll and see. I mean, look, I give the Jets credit. They were, not, they were not a great third down defensive team. They ranked 21st in the league. They held Buffalo for two for 13 on third down. And they were really, you know, in their red zone efficiency, the defensively. So the, yeah, Buffalo, Buffalo did 232 yards of offense. 14 first downs of the game. Three of them came by penalties, Femi. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I thought the Jets played him as good as you could. They just they just couldn't get enough out of their offense, and the offensive line broke down, and and White took a took a shit beat. Really did. I don't know how he's going to play this week. I really don't.
0: Yeah, hopefully he's all good to go. But if he's not, probably going to be Joe Flacco, I would imagine. I don't think they can go back to Zach Wilson. They might have a mutiny in that locker room. Uh, Zach Wilson's in
1: Elba. Them. He's with Napoleon over at Elba.
0: There, yeah. He's off that – he's never coming back. Yeah, he looked cold as hell, though, on that sidelines, boy. I tell you. Oh yeah. I <laughs> I bet mean, he was a delight to be those, around. <laughs> those shots of him. I was like, God damn, you look like you want to be anywhere but here on the sidelines. Uh final game, Michael. The Bengals beat the Cleveland Browns twenty three to ten yesterday. Uh this was a game I know was really interesting in the betting market because the Bengals were hovering around five and a half, five point favorites all week long. And then all of a sudden, on game day, just massive money coming in here on Cleveland, and that money ended up being wrong as Cincinnati gets the thirteen point win.
1: All right, Here's a question I have for you, Femi. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin Stefanski's. I mean, he goes for it ridiculously on fourth down. Like, I don't understand it. He just does it just unbelievable. And, and nobody's questions it at all. But on this, he's got a fourth and one. He takes, he takes Watson off the field, mm-hmm. okay? Because he, he probably you think he wants to run quarterback sneak. Yep. And he calls a pass play. And Brissett throws it. If you're going to throw it, the guy you just gave 250 minutes, let him throw it. Right. <laughs> like, I, I didn't understand it. Like, I didn't understand the whole betting on like I love Cincinnati at the five and a half. And so the day we're, we're doing the show and people are like the line's moving, the line's moving. It's down to three and a half. Then it went back up to four. And then we heard some offshore book had a huge bet, some some gamble. Like, that doesn't mean it's right. Like There was nothing. Why would I bet against Joe Burrow, hot quarterback, after I watched the Shawn Watson play last week? Like, where is the logic
0: in that? It didn't exist, and it didn't. And like the Browns are a team that people want to buy into. I want to buy into Cleveland because when you look at it on paper, it's like, okay, this team, they should be better than what they are, but specifically about that fourth-and-one play with Jacoby Brissett throwing it to Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think that was just Stefanski outsmarting himself. He's like, oh, everyone's going to expect QB sneak. We're going to dial up a shot play. It's like, dude, what are we doing? What, 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 yeah, what, like what are
1: sometimes, we doing? like I'll give you another example. Uh, like the Seattle game, right? Seattle's backed up. They got a third and ten at their own. This is after Carolina didn't convert. They got mm-hmm. a third and ten, and the play clock's running down. Now, they used they challenged a play earlier in the second quarter, yeah. and so they lost a timeout. So as the play clock's running down, they call timeout. Wait a minute. We called timeout to save a yard and a half <laughs> because the ball would have just gone half the distance. So at the end of the game, they only had one timeout. Mm-hmm. like at some point like who's thinking these through like what's the like we're going to call this play we're going to put percent on the field to run a sail route and he overthrows it meanwhile he's cold on the sideline he doesn't know we're like he's not ready like he's not warming up in the bullpen
0: just out thinking the room for uh for kevin safanski there as the browns continue to lose five and eight it's been a not so good season out there in cleveland michael let's take our final break on the other side We'll preview Monday Night Football. Patriots Cardinals will also get to the awards for week 14. All right, Michael, before we get to Monday Night Football, let's hand out some hardware. Uh the Fred Palermo, best game plan of the week. Who's that going to? Well, I think you got to give it to Carolina. You know,
1: coming off the bike, flying to Seattle, go up in a hard place. You know, it's always hard to run the ball when you can't hear crowd noise, right? That that's mm-hmm. the one equalizer home teams should have It's the snap count. And they were able to run the ball effectively and they they controlled the pace of the game. So give Steve Wilkes credit and the Carolina coaching staff, they've done a great job uh of getting their team ready to play. And, and, and they did a, you know, they're, now they're in the playoff race. Like I said earlier, I mean, if Cade York misses the 58 yarder, you know, if if DJ Moore keeps his helmet on on his head, they're in first place.
0: It's pretty remarkable. On the lamb. Who's going on the lamb here?
1: Uh, I mean, I, you know, how do you not put Tampa? I mean, Brady would be on the land. I would hate to have sat mm-hmm. next to Brady on that airplane flying home. I mean, it's going to just be brutal. He's going to just be br- in front of his home. Uh, he had to give. He he had to give out more tickets to any game in his career. Was that game there? His trip back home to play like that. Wow, I think that's hard. And look, Tennessee. I think you got to be really careful if you're going to play Tennessee against any team now. Check that injury list because there's only so much Rabel can do. The David Ogilvy Fraud Award, where is that going? Well, I think it's got to go to the Giants. Look, mm-hmm. we we know the Giants weren't very good, but, you know, you're sitting there, you want to be a playoff team, you're playing at home, and you give up, you know, you get smoked 48, and there's really was nothing they could do about it. I mean, it just kind of tells you if the Giants are going to improve, they have to accept. This is where we are talent wise and let's prepare ourselves moving forward. Let's not kid ourselves thinking we're really good because we won 7 games. Let's just understand that we are not a great team that we've been very well coached, but we need a lot of talent to improve. If you don't know now you know. I think uh, Brock Purdy can make can throw complete passes and San Francisco can still win with their defense. I mean, the pitch it's still a pitch and catch league, Femi.
0: Run after the catch matters. Yeah, the Niners' defense is uh, truly something special. Finally, Michael, we wrap up week 14 tonight in the desert. New England Patriots taking on the Arizona Cardinals right now at our show sponsor, DraftKings. Patriots two-point favorites, but I'm even seeing some places where New England is now two-and-a-half-point favorites. Total sitting at 43-and-a-half. How do you see this game playing out?
1: Well, I mean, New England's on a two-game losing streak. I think they've got to play better. Vance Joseph, I think, helped and motivated them with his comments this week about the offense looking like a defense, which I'm not saying he's wrong with what he said, it's just, you know, I think they'll be motivated. I think this is one where the the Patriots, you know, they're not going to have Jalen Mills. They're not going to have uh, Jacoby Myers, but mm-hmm. they've got to play their best game. And I think they'll do a good job of rushing the mayor, keeping him in the pocket and forcing the ball somewhere away from Hopkins. And I think they'll move the ball and I think they can run the ball. So, uh, you know, I like the, I like New England. I gave New England out as a pick this week on the show.
0: Yeah, it's a no bet for me. I thought the line was pretty fair. Patriots favored by less than a field goal, so uh, no bet. I'll watch the game. I'll see how this unfolds. But I think I think New England wins a close one there tonight in Arizona. But finally, Michael, tonight, uh, or today I should say, uh, sad news in the football world. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot of people horrible. were tweeting about it over the weekend starting Sunday morning. Uh, the University Mississippi State University, I should say, uh, they put out a statement about head coach Mike Leach having a personal health issue at his home early Sunday morning. They said in the statement that the issue led to a decision to transfer Coach Leach to the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson by ambulance. That is the extent of information that MSU has available regarding Coach Leach's condition. And the university will make no other comment at this time other than to say that the thoughts and prayers of the university are with Mike and Shannon and their family. Just uh, You saw a lot of the uh, tweets yesterday evening, I thought, also this morning. But we don't know what's going to happen. We're hoping that Coach Leach can pull through. But really sad stuff there, Michael.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. What a wonderful man. I've spent a lot of time around Coach Leach and got to know him, and I really like him as a person. He's as authentic as they come. Mm -hmm. It's not an act. That's kind of who he is, and, you know, this is a sad, sad time, and it doesn't sound very good. uh, You know, he's going to need a miracle from what I'm told, and uh, it's sad. Uh, You know, too young, too talented, too smart, uh, and genuine, and I think there's no doubt about it. So my heart and prayers are with his wife and his family Uh, I I think he's in Jackson, Mississippi right now,
0: so Mm. horrible news. Yeah, I I worked in Spokane, Washington a few years ago, covered the Washington State program when Mike Leach was the head coach there for three seasons. Uh, Some of the most fun I've ever had covering any team. He is one of the more interesting people in the entire sport of football. I know we mainly talk NFL on this show, but just football in general, Coach Leach, like you said, very smart, uh, very genuine. He's true to himself. Um, and he's, he's just, a, it was a really fun guy to cover. So I'm hoping that he can pull through in this because, uh, it's, it's, it'd be sad to lose somebody like that, uh, in our world. So, uh, hopefully yeah, we're yeah. pulling for your coach Leach. We're thinking about the family Sharon, and the rest of their family there is, uh, hopefully we get some good news later on this week. Yeah. But. That does it for this week's edition of the podcast, though. Uh, thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to you guys, as always, for listening and watching. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you, Michael. And I'll talk to you on Thursday.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to find that ticket someday, Femi. And I bet you got an MVP <laughs> ticket on Mitch, too. I know you no, do, there, too. I'm going to find that one, too. There, there's the there's no
0: Mitch. Dan Campbell, Coach of the Year. Maybe it has love oh, but a life. bit you got that. Of course you do. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later.